Chapter 11, Becoming a Force of Good in the World Thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreases by being shared. Buddha, I hope that what you have read and practiced over the course of the previous chapters has inspired you to commit to cultivating your happier skills. I want to offer you one more important reason to stay on your path and keep up with your daily anchors. When you cultivate your well-being, your happiness, contentment, and joy can spread to other people. It spreads not because you make them change, but because you, your outlook and behavior, have changed. Think about how incredible that is. You not only have an opportunity to experience a genuine, lasting kind of happiness yourself, but you also just might help people in your life do the same. You don't have to do anything other than practice what we have talked about. Nicholas A. Christakis, a professor at Yale University, and James Fowler, who teaches at the University of California, San Diego, have conducted several landmark studies showing that behavior and moods, including happiness, can be contagious within our social networks. For example, they found that when you become happier, a friend living close by has a 25% higher chance of becoming happier. In their study, a spouse experienced an 8% increase in their chances of being happier while a next-door neighbor increased 34%. Researchers have also found this to be true at work. Employees who report having a strong sense of well-being are 20% more likely to have other colleagues on their team who are happier. As we discussed earlier, a mountain of research shows that improving your emotional health has concrete and wide-reaching benefits, from reducing your risk of heart attacks and strokes and lowering your stress and anxiety to increasing your productivity and creativity. Because happiness is contagious, when you experience these benefits, your social network does too. When I began to write this book, I asked a wee, Mia, and some friends to tell me if they feel that the inner work that I've done over the past few years has impacted them in some way. Wow, was it heartwarming to hear their responses. I was overwhelmed when they told me not only about the positive changes they've seen in me but also how they've become more accepting of themselves, including when things aren't going well, more attentive to small moments of daily joy, better about taking care of themselves, more inspired to follow their passions and interests. Whenever my commitment to any of the practices I've shared with you wavers, I remind myself of how my own happier skills benefit the people I care most about. We're all connected, Nicholas Christakis's work suggests something else surprising. Happiness can spread beyond our nearby friends and neighbors or other people we come in contact with. When you become happier, the social network effect of happiness can spread up to three degrees, even reaching friends of friends. In other words, we're all connected. And happiness is one of the best inputs into the web of relationships that connects all of us because it brings with it so many emotional and physical benefits. The healthier, stronger, kinder, and happier your network becomes, the healthier, stronger, kinder, and happier you become. Consider how kindness spreads. Studies show that when we witness a compassionate or kind act, we feel more optimistic and are more likely to be kind to others. Researchers call this effect moral elevation. As Adam Grant writes in Give and Take, why helping others drives our success, your acts of giving can change the nature of your social network to be more giving. He mentions how one study found that when one person made a choice to give to others consistently, 
other people in the group were more likely to contribute in the future, even when they weren't interacting with the original giver. By being kind, you increase the kindness level in your network, making it more likely that help will be there at a time when you need it. Similarly, when we find the courage not just to accept our emotions but to share them without the everything is okay filter, we give people in our lives permission to do the same. It's as if we're literally saying, I'm going to be honest about something that is not okay in my life so that it is safe for you to share what is not okay in yours. One of the powerful ways in which we can share the gift of acceptance with others is simply by practicing it ourselves and being honest about it. Google recently released the findings of a five-year study it conducted to understand what makes some teams at Google perform so much better than others. After looking at the obvious potential factors, performance rankings for people on the team, pay scales, length of time at Google, and more, the researchers didn't find a common variable. But when they started to look into how the people on the team interacted rather than who the people were, they found the answer, psychological safety. Psychological safety means that members of a team have a shared belief that they can be real and honest with each other, that they can express their ideas and emotions without the fear of being humiliated. As Harvard Business School professor Ramey C. Edmondson defines it, psychological safety describes a team climate characterized by interpersonal trust and mutual respect in which people are comfortable being themselves. Psychological safety creates that sacred space in which any team member can reveal that they're not okay and receive support from other team members. In the New York Times article about this study, one of the mid-level managers at Google, Matt Sakarguchi, described how he decided to practice psychological safety with his team. At a brainstorming session, he shared that he had been battling cancer, something he had kept from his colleagues until that point. At first the team was silent. But then people started sharing difficult things in their own lives, from an ongoing health issue to a difficult breakup. Sakaguchi described that when it came time to talk about ways to improve how their team worked together, his colleagues had a more honest, authentic, and useful conversation than any other time before. By taking the first step to share that he was not okay, Sakaguchi gave his colleagues an opportunity not only to support him, but also to become more honest themselves something that ultimately served the whole team. Once he shared, Sakoguchi's personal practice of acceptance, including being okay with not being okay, influenced the culture of the entire team. Imagine if we could all do this for the teams in our lives, including our families, friends, colleagues, classmates, or organizations in which we're involved. What might be possible? For the majority of my daughter's life, I thought it was my job to protect her from feeling stress and witnessing my own stress or sadness. One day, a few years back, I came home from a really terrible, no good, very bad day at work. Someone on my team had quit, a potential partnership fell through, a friend disappointed me, I had a terrible call with an investor, and the traffic on the way home was horrendous. Usually, when my daughter asked me how my day was, I would always say some version of okay. But this time everything I felt was just too overwhelming and I told her the truth. It was kind of awful, actually, I said. As soon as the words left my mouth I felt a sense of panic. I broke the golden rule of always seeming okay to my child. But the world didn't end. My daughter didn't collapse. She hugged me and asked me if I wanted some tea. 
We shared tea and snacks at the kitchen table, played some cheesy music we both like, and went on with our night. A few weeks after, I asked my daughter how her day was at school. It was alright, not great, she said. My mom antenna went right up. Why, what happened? Nothing, really. I just didn't have a great day. I don't know. This was the first time my daughter ever told me she didn't have a good day at school. She was 11 at the time. I suspect that the only reason that she finally did it was because I'd told her about my not good day a few weeks earlier. By being more honest about my not okay I'd given her permission to embrace being not okay. I had to hold my tongue to not try to cheer her up right away. It went against my instinct as her mom to not help her move through not feeling good as fast as possible. I knew how important it was to give her permission to feel how she felt, without the pressure to feel better. Brene Brown, a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work who has studied vulnerability for two decades, and whose TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, has been viewed almost 30 million times, including 10 times by me, says, the difficult thing is that vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you and the last thing I'm willing to show you. In you, it's courage and daring. In me, it's weakness. I was scared to share how not okay I was with anyone, including friends and family. I was afraid of seeming weak, and I was also hesitant to burden those I loved with my darkness. Yet seeing how my willingness to be more vulnerable created the space for my daughter to do the same, I was motivated to keep finding the courage to share what was real. I didn't always have to put on a brave face. The power to heal the world. People who feel a sense of inner peace don't start wars, said Tom Knowles, a meditation teacher whose workshop I once attended in New York City. Meditation helps you feel more peaceful and content. When you feel that way, you're much more likely to do good things for this world than bad things. People who are happier don't start wars, either. They help people around them feel more joy and kindness because, as research shows, happiness and kindness spread. Happier people create safe spaces for others to be okay with not being okay because they cultivate psychological safety within their networks. They invent solutions to problems because feeling happier creates a mindset of possibility. People who are happier, truly, genuinely happier from within, become a force of good in their world. You can become a force of good in our world. This is my answer to even the biggest skeptics who come to my talks or read my emails and challenge the importance of investing their energy in becoming happier. This is my answer to anyone who, as I did for so long, feels that any kind of happiness that you don't turn through suffering is worthless and self-indulgent. This is my answer to anyone who doesn't feel they deserve to feel happier. Cultivating your ability to experience more acceptance, joy, kindness, and meaning in everyday moments and learning to be okay when not everything is okay is the least selfish thing you can do. It's an amazing and unique gift that you automatically share with people you love, and even people you don't know, anyone who is part of this vast, complex human network that is the very fabric that supports us. But you have to start within yourself. To become a force of good in the world, to help people you care about live happier, more meaningful and fulfilling lives, you first have to cultivate these skills within yourself. As good as some of us may be at pretending, to be happy when we're not, to be okay when we're not, we're ultimately only pretending to ourselves. The real, deep, 
genuine truth of how we feel is what people around us sense and what we spread to them. You may have to take baby steps at first, trying out your new skills on other people until they become second nature. Once, during a retreat in Utah, I took a yoga class with Elena Brower, a well-known yoga teacher. Something about her manner made me feel at ease, as if I could try out my practice of being okay with not being okay on her. We went for breakfast with some other folks from the class afterward. As part of the conversation, I admitted a few things that I was struggling with. I so get it. Elena exclaimed. We all struggle and we all try to hide it. I hid my smoking from everyone for years. Coming out about it was the scariest and most liberating thing I'd ever done. It felt like a release to admit to being so imperfect. Others around the table were nodding. I didn't know Elena, but when I looked her up after I got home, I realized she was a pretty big deal in the yoga world. She is one of the most respected and well-known American yoga teachers, she has appeared on the cover of Yoga Journal, the industry magazine, and she conducts workshops around the world and mentors other yoga teachers. She had found the courage to share her own not okay publicly with thousands of people who come to her workshops and follow her work. Wasn't she afraid that everyone would judge her and just run away? I'm sure she was afraid at first. But as she and I found out through our experiences, when we bring our real selves to the world, the world doesn't run away. I hugged Elena when she opened up. We became friends. I was reminded once again that being vulnerable doesn't isolate us, it brings us closer. When we learn to let go of trying to achieve perfect happiness and instead compassionately embrace the reality of our lives and ourselves, we discover many deeper, kinder, and more meaningful connections within our social networks than we thought possible. I keep learning this lesson. Perhaps the most powerful reminder has been the incredible support I've received from the happier community after I started to be more honest with them, through my happy moments and my weekly emails. We had sent a weekly email out for a few years, sharing things like how to practice gratitude when life is challenging or ways to reduce stress through kindness. Our community loved them. About a year into my commitment to be more open about my journey, I started to write these emails myself, to make them more personal and more honest, to share ways in which I wasn't okay, as well as ways in which I found joy. The first time I did it I was freaking out, I was about to tell 2,50,000 people that the CEO of Happier often struggled to be happier. I can only describe the response I got as overwhelming love. No one used the word love, but that is what they sent back in their emails, telling me how much my opening up had helped them to start to embrace their own feelings. This is the kind of love that we infuse into our social networks when we practice genuine acceptance, when we strengthen our ability to cultivate joy in everyday moments, and when we become courageously compassionate toward ourselves when not everything is okay. This love is not romantic. It's not the kind of love we feel for our parents or kids. It's a more universal, deeper sense of being connected to each other and experiencing the power of that connection. You're an unhealed healer, my teacher Janet said to me when I told her I was afraid to share my struggles because I was supposed to be the teacher, the leader, the person who was helping others become happier. I think we're all unhealed healers. When we give up trying to find perfection or be perfect, when we embrace our lives and how we are, and within that acceptance cultivate the practice of gratitude, acceptance, intentional kindness, 
when we connect to our bigger why and invest in taking care of ourselves, we heal not only ourselves but also so many people around us. So consider this my passing the baton, from one unhealed healer to another. Take what you have read in this book, practice it, make it your own. In doing so, share it with people you love, people you care about, people you work with, people you study with, people you encounter in the course of your days, and all the people who all of those people are connected to. You can be the force of good in the world. You can be the source of healing and of so much lasting joy. A letter to my daughter, I spent the last five years unexpectedly becoming an expert in living a happier, fuller, more meaningful life. If you had told me ten years ago that I would create a company called Happier and dedicate my life to helping people realize their greatest potential by cultivating more joy and meaning and boosting their emotional immune system, I wouldn't have believed you. I never expected that it would take me until I turned 40 to find my life purpose, nor did I expect that this would be it. What I expected even less is that my life purpose would emerge out of some of my most painful struggles. But that is the magic of becoming genuinely happier, as I've discovered. It's a journey within yourself, one that is likely to take you on a path you didn't expect. It can be difficult and at times seem impossible, but you have to keep going and learning, because it's the most worthwhile path there is. On the eve of my 40th birthday a few years ago, I decided to make a list of the lessons I'd learned about what it truly means to live a happier and fuller life. I love lists and this seemed like the perfect occasion. As I was writing it, I realized that I kept thinking about my daughter, who was 11 years old at the time. I started by writing the list for myself, by the time I was in the middle of it, I was writing it for her. What we all wish for our kids and people we care about is to be happy, healthy, fulfilled, to live a life that brings them joy and meaning. It took me a long time to realize this. But the best way we can help them do this is to do it for ourselves first. I used to think that focusing on becoming happier was selfish. I'm now certain that it's the least selfish thing I can do. In fact, I think of it as a great responsibility I have to my daughter, my family, and the people I love and care about. So here it is, my dear readers, my list of 40 things I learned about living happier and more fully, aka a letter to my daughter. I'm so grateful that you have joined me on this journey and hopeful that something I shared in this book will inspire and help you live your best life, to find more joy in everyday moments and to boost your emotional immune system so you can be okay even when things are not okay. I also hope that by sharing this list I might inspire you to create your own and share it with someone you love. 1. It's really all about love. 2. One sweater you really like is better than five sweaters you kinda sorta like and bought because they were on sale. 3. Don't wait for any one human to give you all the care and love you crave. No one can be your all, but some people can be your a lot. Cherish them. 4. Stop trying to be fearless. If you're trying and learning, you'll feel fear. It's okay. Remember your bigger why, the reason you're taking this journey, and hang on to it. It will guide you through the fear. 5. Read the entire recipe before you start cooking. 6. Be grateful for the tiniest things. They all matter. Even if you feel sad, you can find some beauty around you to appreciate. It will elevate you. 7. You deserve the gift of your own kindness. Treat yourself as you would a good friend, even when you make mistakes. 
it won't make you complacent, it will help you be better. 8. Most things are better after a good night of sleep. 9. Don't save your nice dishes, nice clothes, nice shoes for special occasions. Every day you're alive is a special occasion, so use the good stuff. 10. When in doubt, go for a walk. 11. You can only change yourself, not other people, not relationships, just you. If you want to change anything, including the world, start within yourself. 12. B. Care. Now, don't rob yourself of living today because you're lost in yesterday or leaning into tomorrow. 13. One spoonful of the real stuff is better than one cup of the low-fat stuff. 14. Happiness isn't the absence of negative emotions. You're not failing at happiness because you feel sad or angry. Let yourself feel what you feel, but don't lose sight of the little moments of warmth, kindness, or beauty that are always there, even if you have to wipe away your tears to see them. 15. Hiding your unique gifts from others isn't humility. It's stealing. True humility is to accept your responsibility to share your contributions. There may be someone whose life will be changed by them. 16. Sweat the small stuff that makes you even the tiniest bit happier. Fill your shelves with books you love. Rush to the farmer's market for the season's first strawberries. Buy pens you like to write with. Move your desk to catch the morning sun. These make up the texture of your life. 17. There is no such thing as a wrong emotion. Give yourself a chance to feel what you feel, even if it's difficult. The less you try to fight or avoid a feeling you don't want to have the easier it will be to move through it. 18. You. Are. Enough. You're lovable and amazing and deserving of true genuine happiness exactly the way you are. You don't have to do anything more to earn it. You're a being, not a doing. 19. People care a lot less about what you do or how you look than you think. Mostly we're all focused on ourselves, so stop worrying about perceptions and live your life. 20. You experience 100% of the emotions you give to others. If you feel angry at someone, you experience anger. If you experience kindness, you feel kind. 21. It's okay to have a mess of a day. Sometimes you do need to eat too much, watch too much TV, and hide under the covers away from it all. 22. If you do something and it makes you feel spectacular, don't ignore that feeling. It's the universe trying to tell you, this thing you just did. Do it more often. Yes, this applies to what you do for work too. 23. Be more honest. Being vulnerable doesn't make you weak, it makes you real. Be real. It's a gift not just to yourself but to everyone around you. 24. You're not your thoughts. You're not your feelings. They're part of you but not the entirety of you. Learn to be aware of them rather than become them. 25. Make things with your hands as often as you can. Cook, paint, plant, play an instrument, anything. You'll get a break from living in your head. 26. When you're having a horrible day, even the tiniest achievements feel amazing. Clean your desk, do a handstand, write things down on your to-do list that you have already accomplished. 27. Be intentionally kind and expect nothing in return. The kindness boomerang will come back to you. 28. Give up your ideas of how something should be. Life is unfolding as it is, and you have a choice to either be awake to how it is and go from there or suffer wishing it were different. 
29. Most things taste a lot better right out of the container, ice cream, milk, sardines. 30. Find time for stillness and silence every day. Don't be afraid to spend some time alone. Alone equals all one. 31. The greatest moments in a friendship often come when you text a friend, Hey, I'm feeling awful and I need you. 32. If you don't know what to do, do something. Don't wait to figure it out, start doing and you'll be able to make any decision better, later. 33. Travel more and often. This may be one of the only ways to buy happiness with money. Also, take time to travel on your own. You'll discover more about yourself than the places you visit. 34. Break your own rules as often as possible. Try spicy food even if you are not into spicy food. Wear something bright if you usually wear black. Read things that you're normally not into. Give yourself freedom to explore. 35. Take care of yourself. It's not selfish, it's your responsibility to the people you love. There is no glory in being a martyr. 36. Laugh loudly and often. 37. Never be too busy for a hug. Or too grumpy. Or too proud. 38. Just because you can't see it right now doesn't mean the path isn't there. Keep taking steps. 39. If you have to force it, an idea, a piece of writing, a job, a relationship, a shoe, it's not meant to be. Working hard and forcing something are two different things. Learn the difference. 40. It's all really about love. Not romantic love, not any specific kind of love, just love. It's within you. Find it. Nurture it. Share it. Grow it. Swim in it. It's always the right answer, although sometimes you'll have a hard time seeing it. Keep looking.